From the studios of Teeing It Up in Salto, Jersey, and Charleston, South Carolina, this is Teeing It Up presents the Sunday Sprint for Week 11 of the National Football League season. We welcome in, and I'm Jeremy Schilling, we welcome in the voice of Citadel Football, Luke Morrow, who had Alabama on the ropes at 10-10 at halftime yesterday. What was going through your head? That was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, 10-10 into the second half, and the Bulldogs had a chance to take the lead. Uh, they made a field goal. It was wiped out because of a false start penalty, and then backed them up five yards and ended up missing the field goal. And that was really the turning point from there. This uh, Alabama scored like 27 unanswered points to put the game away, but the Citadel had a chance to go up uh, in about five minutes into the third quarter. They would have been leading Alabama. It was a thrill. It was really cool. Uh, just a fun experience, fun game to call. And what was really neat for us was our broadcast booth was in between the coach's box, which it typically is, and then the um, athletic director's suite for the for the Citadel. And so when it was 10, that whole first half, it was just like a party up there. Every time they did something, you know, the athletic director and all of his his groups going crazy, the coaches next to us are going crazy. It was just a lot of fun to call the first uh, two and a half quarters, then it kind of got away for the Bulldogs. But it was a great effort for the Citadel. They should be proud Take me inside the Citadel's mindset here, because you host a coach's show every week. I don't think you got to talk to Nick Saban, correct? You didn't get to talk to any Alabama coaches leading up? No, I wish. Okay. So, but you obviously talked to, talk to the Citadel folks leading up. Um, these are games that they purposely put in between the biggest game of the year to kind of give everybody a kind of easy game. You can pull the starters early. Um, you know, teams do this on purpose. LSU faced Rice yesterday. There, there's, there's, you know, several examples of this. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. What was the Citadel's mindset, knowing they were most likely going to get blown out? Yeah, that was the interesting thing about it. You know, my uh, color analyst on the radio is a former coach and NFL scout, even, and he coached. You know, uh, coached, played, and scouted for about a total of forty-five years. And I asked him. And I said, as a head coach, you know, he was a head coach, he said, was there ever a time where you went into a game knowing that you weren't going to win, or are you always, you know, confident in your team, even if you maybe you don't believe it, but you have to just for the job believe, like, hey, we can go out and beat these guys. And he said, no, there, there, there are times when you watch the film and you realize we just can't beat these guys. But talking to the coaching staff for the Citadel, they were very confident all week. I don't know if that was just, you know, them being confident for the sake of, being confident and believing in their guys and refusing to say, hey, you know, we're going to get killed by this team. But they were confident all week and they believed in what they were doing, uh, their game plan, their their week of um, preparation to get ready for these guys. And they went out there and, and they didn't back down. I mean, Alabama got about three personal foul calls. Uh, they were a lot of shoving after the play. They were frustrated. And the Citadel is one team because of the military background that you're not going to be able to intimidate by, you know, getting in their face and pushing them and everything. And so, uh, Citadel did not back down, and Alabama was frustrated there for about two and a half quarters. Nick Saban was going wild on the sidelines for the entire first half. Uh, it was just a lot of fun, and I give the Citadel all the credit in the world because they gave Alabama, of all teams, the Citadel gave them one of their toughest tests all year. And like I said, you look at the matchup, it's uh, so lopsided, but the Bulldogs never backed down. They went out there, and they gave them a fight, and uh, weren't intimidated, and they played well. Um. When they announced that Tua would sit out the game to rest, the quarterback for Alabama, did that give the Citadel more hope? Well, I asked um, the head coach of the Bulldogs, when you play the number one team in the country, would you rather get the starting quarterback and the you know the best shot 
uh, or would you rather have the good and have the better advantage? And he said it doesn't really matter. They, don't, they didn't care who was starting at quarterback. It's, uh, it, came, it would come down to what they had to do offensively, the triple option offense, what they had to do defensively, and it doesn't matter really who the quarterback is. Um, but Tua, you know, he played the first three quarters, and he played really well, of course. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it, they were really aggressive too, Alabama. I figured they would just line up and try to overpower us and just run it down our throats, but they came out throwing the entire three quarters, and the Citadel just couldn't get enough pressure without blitzing against Tua. That was the issue for him, and he ended up setting the record yesterday for most touchdown passes in a season for an Alabama quarterback in the process, but he played really well. Excuse me, my apologies. I thought Tua was going to sit out and rest his knee injury, so I apologize and uh, um, thought that, that he was about to sit out. So that's my bad. I should have known better. Um, all right, so obviously we spent five minutes on that because, A, it was interesting, and, B, the Jets are on a bye, which means that we don't have to talk about that awful football team. Um <laughs> so let's talk about your Vikings. This is a crucial game. 5-3-1 Vikings versus the 6-3 Bears tonight on Sunday Night Football. I believe this game was flexed. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> so NBC saw the um, saw the, the major impacts of this game. Um, where's your head at? Because this is, this is crucial. And with the Packers struggling. They fell to four, five, and one after losing on Thursday. This is this division's wide open, and it's yours to lose in in essence. Yeah, really. I mean, tonight is a huge game for the division. Tonight is for first place for now. So whichever team wins tonight will control their own destiny in the NFC North. Uh, you look at the quickly just the Packers. Uh, you figure it's going to take probably ten wins in the NFC to make the playoffs because the Panthers they just have to go four and three the rest of the way. They'll get to ten wins. And the Vikings, if the Vikings go, I think, 4-3, and three, they'll get to nine wins. Correct. Tie, they'll have a tiebreaker over any other uh, nine and seven teams because of that tie. So, uh, And I know the Packers have a, tie, uh, have a tie as well. But essentially, it's probably going to make it ten wins to, you would imagine, make the playoffs. And that would mean the Packers would pretty much have to win out or only could afford one loss. So I think that makes this game even more crucial for the division where uh, it looks like it may be a two-horse race in the North with Vikings and the, and the Bears. Um, to me... The Vikings are a much better team talent-wise, but they always struggle so much in Chicago. I know they won there on prime time last year against Trubisky. This is obviously a different Bears team, uh, but they won there last year uh, on uh, prime time in Chicago, and that was a big win for them, and they played really well. But typically, it's one of those situations, classic Vikings, that you know whatever can go wrong will go wrong whenever there's Chicago. It's always crazy games. Uh, they play out of character. Uh, something happens that, that, that just goes against them. So we'll see how it goes tonight. But they're a more talented team. And the defense is playing a lot better of late, so we'll see how they do against Trubisky because Matt Nagy's doing a really good job there with that offense, turning Trubisky into uh, a legitimate quarterback. What's the key to the game? For those who haven't watched the Vikings every single play of the year like you have, what's the key to the game? Yeah, good question. I mean, Kirk Cousins in his career has struggled in primetime games, much like Andy Dalton. And I think that is meaningful because the primetime games are typically the most important games. That's why they're in primetime. And, you know, they're on the road and they're outdoors and they're against the important teams. And Cousins hasn't played all that well. So he needs to play really well tonight, go in Chicago, put up a good performance to give them a chance to win. And, and I've been pleased with his performance this year. This is a big spot and he's going to have to show up. Uh, the other thing is just protecting the football. Uh, the Bears, at one point, they're not first anymore, but a couple weeks ago they were leading the league in sacks. They get after the quarterback. We know about Khalil Mack. And Cousins 
uh, lead the league in fumbles in the pocket the last, I think, four years. So he needs to make sure he takes care of the football. He can't afford turnovers on the road. And then defensively, I would say still try to make Trubisky beat you. I know he's having a good year, but it's kind of, for lack of a better term, it's kind of a gimmicky offense. Uh, I would say if you can force Trubisky to stay in the pocket, make throws downfield to try to beat you, I don't think he can. So defensively, you know, put it on the shoulders of, of Mitch's arm. Um, his, I mean, he could be comeback player of the year. Yeah, he's having a great. Game. Yeah, and and it's it's it's, it's remarkable for somebody who I, I think I don't think anybody labeled him a bust, so to speak. But he clearly had some problems coming in out of his rookie season, and he's risen up to meet the competition. For me, it's stopping Adam Thielen. I've seen it too often in recent years. I saw it in person. Dude is just amazing. They can take him out of the game. That's a huge help for Chicago. You have to uh, eliminate Kirk Cousins' ability to go deep. That is my key to the game. Yeah, well, I, you know, Vikings beat the Lions two weeks ago from, with, uh, I think it was 22 yards from both Thielen and Diggs, and you know, the Lions aren't quite as good as the Bears, but it was nice to see the Vikings get a win without much from their, their top two receivers, so hopefully they make some plays tonight. Game of the year, Rams-Chiefs. This game was supposed to be played in Mexico City. It was moved to Los Angeles because of playing field conditions. Your thoughts on this game, Luke, because in my book, this is a 41-40 shootout, and I don't know who's going to win. Well, it certainly should be. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I like the Rams in this game. I, I just think... I don't really know what it is, but there's just something about the Rams that I think they're a little more polished. Uh, excuse me, it's not about the Chiefs, but I think they're a little bit more polished than the Rams, and I think the Chiefs will get the win on the road. Both defenses haven't been very good, but the Rams, to me, their defense has been even more disappointing because they went out and they spent a bunch of money on their defense, and they brought in a lot of big names, and they're just not playing well. I mean, Marcus Peters has allowed almost a perfect passer rating against them in the secondary. It's just not a, a very good defense for, uh, for L.A. So I think Mahomes will have a bigger game than Jared Goff. I trust Andy Reid in this offense more than I trust um, than I trust McVay. And the Rams, both great offenses, both young quarterbacks having great years. But again, to me, uh, for lack of a better term, just a little more gimmicky for the Rams, where I, I think you can slow them down a little more than the Chiefs, where the Chiefs do a lot of more trickier things. Uh, I think their scheme's a little bit better. Andy Reid, uh, I think, is one of the most underrated, or at least was, play callers. He may be the best in the league uh, with what he does offensively. Because he hasn't won in the playoffs. I know, but I'm talking specifically for offense and calling plays. I know, but that's why he's given that label. And, 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 and that's why he's not respected. Yeah, but to me, one doesn't have to do with, with the other. I'm not saying he's a good head coach, because I, I, honestly, I don't think he's the best head coach. His time management's lousy. Uh, he's terrible at his timeouts. But in terms of just designing an offense and calling plays, I think he's tremendous. I think part of the issue for the Reed last couple of years is that Alex Smith is the quarterback, or was the quarterback, and he wasn't uh, willing enough to take shots downfield in the playoffs. He would become almost too nervous in the postseason. I don't think we'll get that in the home. But we'll find out in the playoffs. But long story short, I just trust the Chiefs team more. I think they're better than the Rams slightly, and I think they get the win. Um, I think the Rams are going to win. I think this is going to be Mahomes' toughest game of the year. I think he's going to feel the pressure, and I think the Rams win 41-40. But this game, <clears throat> excuse me, this game is truly a toss-up, and uh, we'll see what happens under the lights. Remember, um, the Rams have had problems attracting people. They're giving thousands of tickets away to first responders and people 
impacted by both the shootings in Thousand Oaks, California, and the fires. It's a wonderful gesture. But Luke, as I said on the fantasy and betting show on, on Thursday, it's never a good sign when you have thousands of tickets to give away, right? It, 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 it's a wonderful gesture. But the fact that you even have those tickets in the first place is not a good sign to me. And yeah. I think there could be a lot of Chiefs fans there, too. Yes, and uh, again, uh, absolutely great gesture. But like you said, not only having to give them away, but that typically means when you give them away like that, you know, you're not going to have a stadium full of Rams fans. You're just going to have a stadium full of football fans who appreciate the tickets. And it's a great move by L.A. and the NFL. I'm glad they're doing it. But, you know, the Rams have never had much of a home field advantage. So that's another thing. Yeah, this game's in L.A., but yeah. they're almost like a neutral field. So, so that's a watch, too. Right, exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, this is the Sunday sprint. We usually do five games. I don't want to do five games because I don't think there's there's, there's five good games. Um, the other game between two winning uh, two teams with winning records is Houston and Washington. And Luke, I have no idea how this game's going to play out. These two teams, obviously being in different conferences, don't play each other a lot. Houston's going on the road. Washington, with the aforementioned. Um, um, Alex Smith has played a lot better this year. Yet, I have no idea how Washington's going to react in a big spot because they haven't been there in like 25 years. And this is a huge game for them in, in an awful division where they can really separate themselves. Yeah, this is a huge game for both teams. And a lot of people believe that both of these teams are kind of fool's gold right now. You know, the Texans have played an easy schedule. They started 0-3. They've now won six in a row. But they haven't really beaten anyone. Um, and people aren't sure how good this Texans team is. And same with Washington. You know, Washington's a weird 6-3. and three. I've had a hard time figuring them out. I like this Washington team. I want to get on the bandwagon. I've actually kind of been on the bandwagon. But uh, there's some weeks that they're just so disappointing. I mean, they got killed on Monday Night Football. We all remember that against the Saints. It wasn't even close. You look at the last couple of weeks, they got killed at home by a uh, Falcons team that was below 500. Last week, they beat the Buccaneers. They only give up three points, but they give up over 500 yards of offense, and they get four turnovers, which a lot of people will tell you is a, a lucky statistic that they just got the breaks that game. So I, I honestly, uh, I have no idea what to expect from this Redskins team, how good this team really is. Uh, their defense has played well statistically, but again, statistics seem to suggest that they've just gotten a lot of lucky breaks this year. The offense has been inconsistent, so I, I'm with you. I don't know what to expect. I think Houston may even get the win on the road, but these are two teams I'm really curious to see how they play today because... Uh, I think both may, may right now not be as good as their record suggests, but I want to see a little more from them. Here's something to keep in mind. Anna is slumping this year at 4-5. and five. They faced Dallas today, who's 4-5. and five. Dallas believes they have momentum off the Monday night game. If Houston wins today, Washington goes to 6-4. and four. Dallas, if they win today, they go to 5-5. Five and five. Now you go to Thanksgiving this coming Thursday, Washington at Dallas. If Dallas has momentum and they win that game, both teams become 6-5. and five. It's a huge game for Washington to keep some kind of an edge on Dallas if Dallas is on the comeback trail going into Thanksgiving. So just something to keep in mind. And then the Giants could only be two losses out of first place. Yes. Um, and, and this is if the Giants can trust themselves against a Tampa team that, as we know, has played horrible football and had to sign a new kicker because their kicker was awful and missed like five field goals or extra points combined or whatever that stat was. Yeah. Um, yes. Anyway, okay. There's only one other game. Uh, the, the entire United States of America, except for most of Arizona, is going to get Philly and New Orleans at 425 today with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. 
and uh, 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 plus Aaron Andrews. So that's a lot of the country. There is rare that there's only one doubleheader game, but that is the only one. It's only Phoenix, it's only most of Northern Arizona that's going to not get this game. Um, Philly is slumping at 4 and 5. New Orleans is rolling at 8 and 1. Drew Brees is throwing for all kinds of stats. We've covered this week after week after week on this show. A, a, a quick word on this game, solely because so many people are going to see this game. Uh, I like the Saints by a couple of scores. I think they cover the seven and a half point spread. Um, the Eagles are in a uh, uh, Super Bowl hangover, uh, and I think we're kind of getting we're kind of getting the uh, look at who is more important to that offense. That was Frank Reich as opposed to Doug Peterson. I think Doug Peterson has been a little overrated after the Super Bowl win. And the team this past week, the Eagles players coming out, and there's no accountability left in this locker room. Guys are kind of doing whatever they want. It's always a bit of a mess right now. This, this will be a chance to get right because I know they're on the road against a good New Orleans team, but the Saints have allowed the second most passing yards this year. So let's see if Carson Wentz and the offense can get back on track this year because it hasn't been the same team as a year ago. And the Saints right now, they're playing better than anybody in the league, and I think they'll continue to roll at home today. So you think Frank Reich should have gotten the book deal and, and not Doug Peterson after the Super Bowl? <laughs> well, like, either one of them should. I, that's what I'm talking about. Super Bowl hangover. You don't see Bill Belichick going out writing books telling everyone how much better he is than the rest of the league. Uh, the Eagles uh, maybe let it go to their head. There, there you go. All right, um, is there any other game you want to talk about? Because I don't think there is. Oh, that's okay. We can do our picks. All right, so game of the week. I think I know where you're going with this. Uh, you know, I never like to pick the Vikings, so that's why, of course, I'm going to go Monday Night Football Chiefs Rams. Yes, okay, your, your sleeper game of the day. I'm going to say Titans-Colts because... This, for the playoff picture, could be one of the more important games the rest of the season for the AFC. Um, the, that, that is an interesting point, because if you look at the AFC South, Texans at 6-3, and three, Titans 5-4, and four, Colts 4-5. Four and five. If, the, if the Texans struggle, those two teams are very much in it. So, I, I like that. A wild card spot, too, could come from this game. Atlanta-Dallas, though. I, I think the Falcons have a chance to upset Dallas and ruin everything. Uh, your upset special. Oh man, this is one I didn't think about. Uh, you never do. <laughs> We've been doing this show for like nine damn years. Come on, Luke. Learn, Luke. I haven't known you for nine years. It's more like six, but come on. I know, and I like a lot of favorites this week. I'm looking at the lines, and I mean, oh man, just to pick, just to pick an upset, I'm gonna say, ah, jeez. I, I don't believe it, but just to say it, I'm going to say Jaguars beat the Steelers. I was going to say the exact same thing, so I'm going to stick with that. You're getting to watch golf during. There's a lot of great golf today. The LPGA Tour season finishes up, and a wild leaderboard at the final PGA Tour official event of the year, the RSM Classic. We've got all kinds of storylines there that are too long for this show. Um, for me, it is Raiders. Cardinals at 4.05 on CBS. Thankfully, a lot of the country is going to get Denver-Los Angeles, which is a lot better game on paper than Oakland-Arizona, which is atrocious. A lot of good games today, and, but uh, a couple bad ones. To be different from you, I'm going to say Buccaneers-Giants. Uh, that's, that's, that's equivalent, and there's one other that's in that boat. I forget what it is. Nope, all right, it doesn't exist. Um... All right, I think that's everything. Oh, your Survivor game. Uh, for me, that's the, the uh, Chargers. Yeah, yeah, I agree, but again, to be different, uh, I'm going to go, uh, uh, I'll be bold. Panthers in Detroit. Uh, I like the matchup for Panthers. Why do you have to be different from me? 
You're playing a watch. Uh, Lamar Jackson is supposed to get his first start today. Yes, he Dalton. is. I think he outplays Dalton. He's got one of the easier schedules for a quarterback the rest of the way, too. I think Lamar Jackson will actually kind of impress. Wait, so you think Lamar Jackson is the quarterback for several weeks? Uh, yeah, I think this may be the start of the Lamar Jackson era in Baltimore. Ooh. I, I thought it's a hot take. I mean, that's overcoming a Super Bowl winner. I, I, I know Flacco struggled, but still. Yeah, never been impressed with Flacco. Okay, there you go. It's Joe Flacco Elite, the biggest hot take topic in America for years. <laughs> um, uh, Patrick Mahomes, biggest spot of his career. How does he react? Luke, um, good job on the radio yesterday. I'm glad you got a fun game. Um, and now go back tomorrow morning's. Uh, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. on ESPN Radio in Charleston. I appreciate it. Uh, are you ready to embrace? Uh, are you doing a Thanksgiving show? No, uh, I'm only doing Tuesday and Wednesday this week. I'm traveling tomorrow for basketball, and then we're uh, the show. We're off Thursday and Friday, actually. So, so hold on a second. Wait, 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 wait. All right, sorry. We have to extend the show. You don't do a show while traveling? That is, I mean, come on. You're supposed to do the show from buses and airplanes and cars. Isn't that the deal you signed? I'll do it Tuesday from some random hotel in the middle of Virginia. But uh, for my room, that'll be nice. You know, I can just do it in bed. But Monday, uh, we'll be on the bus during the time. So, no, I'm not going to um, subject uh, all the players and coaches to two hours of me rambling. Oh, now, come on. Isn't, isn't this what America needs a lot of people would probably tell you after listening to my show it's probably the opposite of what they need <laughs> don't be hard on yourself it's a wonderful <laughs> show I mean you, you signed a 40 year contract right? Uh, 50 50 wow okay yep. is, is it better or worse than John Gruden's contract with the Raiders? <laughs> well it's uh, at least more enjoyable than going 1-7 or whatever they are God what a disaster that is for now, but give them time. It's a long-term thing. Everyone, nobody has patience anymore. Wait, wait, wait. You actually believe in John Gruden and the Raiders? Well, I believe in their opportunity. You know, they'll have five first-round picks the next two years. They'll have at least, uh, I think, $70 million in cap space this offseason. Um, so at least give them a chance to try to rebuild. If they blow all the draft picks and they take three busts, then, okay, there's no reason to believe anymore. But, you know, they're setting themselves up to try to turn this thing around in the next couple of years. They just have to go out and, and finish it now. He'll be back in television within three years. Oh, okay. I, I, I think it'll go down as one of the worst sports moves in the history of sports going back to the original Olympics in the 1500s. Oh, wow. Well, that's bold. Yes. It's very bold. Thank you, sir. Enjoy your football Sunday. Thank you. And enjoy your football Sunday, everybody. We'll see you soon.